Welcome to Wise Health for Women Radio with Linda Prater. Women are pressed daily to give more, learn more, and be more, often at the expense of mind, body, or spirit. Each week with intriguing guests and topics, we'll bring you fresh ways to view your limited time, encouraging a shift to new, healthier perspectives. Wise Health for Women Radio, helping women thrive. And now here's your host, Linda Prater. Welcome to Wise Health for Women Radio. We are so glad that you have joined us. We have been having some very interesting shows and bringing you thoughts about modalities and practices that you may not have heard of because we strongly believe that true health and wellness takes mind, body, and spirit into account. And there are some amazing holistic practices these days that are new, make sense, they're practical, and since no one practice works for every single person, there's no one-size-fits-all for health and wellness, we want to make sure we expose you to a number of them. And we have a wonderful guest today. We have Dr. Michelle Gamble, and she's an integrative wellness expert and an educator for over 25 years and most importantly, a natural health care professional for over 15 years. All kinds of certifications, and we'll put that in the article following the show. But the most important thing that she brings to the table, in my opinion, and it is my opinion, is the fact that our medical care is very siloed and separated. And the holistic viewpoint, while we keep hearing that word, People don't actually know what that means. And so, Michelle, I'd love to welcome to Wise Health for Women Radio, and let's explore some of these questions. Wonderful. Let's get started. Let's get started. So tell a little bit about your backstory, about why you became interested in holistic healing and why it was so important to you for positive spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical health. Well, my backstory actually starts when I was born, because I was born with what was called Hirschsprung's disease, which means okay. that I had a disease colon that was not functional. So at the age of three days old, they actually removed more than half of my colon. And wow. year of my life, I lived with a colostomy bag on the side of my stomach. And, you know, now that, does, that doesn't seem like that big a deal. But um, this is over 45, 46 years ago. And so this was at a time where, you know, that was kind of unheard of. And so I was the miracle baby. You know, they would parade me through the hospital, you know, like, wow, she survived because they even brought the priest in to do last rites over me and things of that nature. So that really set up my journey because now what we understand about the microbiome, about the health of the gut, you realize that not only was I, did I come into the world with a compromised gut, but it was further compromised with the plethora of antibiotics that of course they use after Mm -hmm. such a surgery and nothing was done to replenish that. So I lived my life, you know, especially when I was a teenager with horrible cycles where they were pumping me with a variety of different um, painkillers, prescription grade Motrin, and each month they would up the dosage and my mom became very concerned about this because she herself is a nurse. And mm-hmm. so she went to the doctor, she said, well, what can we do about this? This is ridiculous. Because I mean, there were times where I was literally pulling my hair out, pounding on the floor because it was just so painful, even with the prescription Motrin. Um, and so at that point they said, well, we can put her on birth control pills. <laughs> so. Okay. My mom said, oh, no, you are not putting my 30 <laughs> 
water on birth control pills, thank you. Uh, so that started our journey as a family looking for in that time what was called alternative medicine. And what we found was an organization that taught us about, you know, health and nutrition and um, and looking at the emotional side of things. And we integrated that as a family. We all became vegan um, and that tremendously changed my life. And so from that point, I kind of went on about my life until uh, I met my former husband in the military and became a military wife and started having all these little babies. And what came to me was when I when we came back to this country because we were previously based in Japan and our first two children were were born within the Japanese healthcare system. Mm -hmm. It was just absolutely wonderful. You know, the, as a mom, a new mom, I was just pampered. You know, they did my hair, they did massages. You know, they would take the baby while I was able to recuperate. And then I came to this country, and. We went, we had our third child and he was born in the hospital, the military hospital in San Diego. <laughs> and it was such a huge difference. I mean, it was to the point where I told him, you know what? Do not touch me. Okay. Mm -hmm. When I get ready to have this baby, just make sure he doesn't fall. Other than that, don't touch me. Because I went in and immediately they wanted to put me into a wheelchair. They wanted to stab me with, you know, IVs and and strap me with, with um, um, monitors as if my process of giving birth to a child was some type of disease state that had to be monitored and there were no complications to imply that need. And so when I had my third child, I mean, so my fourth child, I decided to go the way of having a midwife. Mm -hmm. And it was such a tremendous difference. And after having my fourth child, um, we were going through a lot as a family. We were leaving the military. And for those of you who are out there who are military families that are transitioning, you know what I mean. It's a tough road, right? Time, you know, and this was my fourth child. I had had all my children very close together, you know, within a year of each other. And now I realize how much of a drain everything was, but at that time I didn't. And so I had my fourth child. Granted, it was a beautiful home birth. But I was just totally wiped out and I was psychologically down, depressed. And so I went to a psychiatrist and then within the span of 15 minutes, she diagnosed me as bipolar and gave me psychotropic drugs. And Wait a minute, you're postpartum at this point and that was the response? Yes, ma'am, that I was bipolar and she gave me medication for bipolar and that scared the bejeebies out of me, Linda. Mm -hmm. um, and that is when I decided to actually go back to school. And I eventually I got my master's and then my doctorate in the field of naturology. And I right away, I started up a women's organization to start to give each other support. Because I said, you know, I had the, the gumption, the gall, the, the chutzpah, whatever you want to call it to mm -hmm. say, oh, to the no, you're not giving me that stuff. And I and I didn't walk, but rather run out of that, that office. But <laughs> so many of us, you know, we go through so many trials and tribulations and we go to our healthcare professionals and nine times out of 10, it seems to be just a pill that they want us to take. No, she didn't sit down with me 
and talk to me about, you know, the challenges of, of having this newborn baby and having to take care of the other three who were pretty much babies themselves. She didn't talk to me about the fears that I had as a, as a military wife who was whose husband was leaving the military and we had no idea of where our next job was going to come from. Mm-hmm. None of that was taken into consideration. The only thing was, here, take this pill. And that to me is, to me that's malpractice. Um, but, you know, What's Paul- interesting, if I can interject here, is that the things you're describing are the why we are now finally seeing the rise of functional medicine, getting to the root cause, asking those very important questions that you're talking about. But this holistic alternative medicine has been around for decades. And if you go back centuries, you know, when, when, you know, the doula and the midwives and the, the whole practice of, your body knows how to heal itself oftentimes. But I'd love to back up if I could to just one thing that you mentioned with it, is that I don't think so many people realize that your gut is is one of your most important immune system um, aspects. And so a lot of people put up with a lot of stuff and take a lot of drugs and things like that to to cover all of these new trendy things that are coming along. Did you have residual effects from your condition as a, a child that also made you look into all of these different kinds of naturopathic medicine? Oh, definitely. Uh, there was a significant residual effect. In fact, one of the first certifications that I pursued was a certification as a colon hydrotherapist because ah. I wanted to know what could I do naturally and not um, endanger myself. Let's put it that way because, you know, you hear so many fear factor stories about colon hydrotherapy. And so I said, you know what, I need to learn this for myself. Uh, And as you said, now we are hearing more and more about the importance of the gut, not only with regards to the immune system, but also with regards to brain function and regards to emotions. And so, you know, I deal a lot with the emotional aspect of things. And that is entirely related to what the health of the gut is. So many people hear about serotonin, you know, you need serotonin and how it's related to depression, but most people don't realize the majority of the serotonin that's produced in your body is produced in your gut. Right. So if you have an unhealthy gut, you're going to have an unhealthy emotional perspective. Absolutely. And I I hate to break in here, but we want to welcome a new sponsor to Wise Health for Women Radio. We are welcoming Honest Tea, which is the nation's top-selling organic tea company, and their delicious organic teas for adults and children provide many refreshingly honest moments. My favorites are the green tea and the half-tea, half-lemonade versions, and I'm sure you'll find a favorite also. Right now, there's a refreshingly honest campaign underway, and here's my hashtag refreshingly honest moment. I knew I was a seasoned professional mom when I eyed the last two loads of laundry, plucked out the passable items, and congratulated myself on finishing a load early. Do you have a refreshingly honest moment? Go to honesttea.com podcast forward slash podcast to share your hashtag refreshingly honest moments on your social media. Honest Tea, 
supporting worthy partnerships, and providing for many hashtag refreshingly honest moments. Try some today. We will be back after a very short break. We are talking with Dr. Michelle Gamble about holistic medicine and feeling good body, mind, and spirit. You are listening to Wise Health for Women Radio, and we will be back after some very short messages. You can find out more at wisehealthforwomenradio.com. We'll be right back. We're Wise Health for Women Radio, and we'll return after these short messages. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. One simple strategy for healthy, low-calorie eating is to pack your lunch instead of eating out. When you plan your lunch, you can control what you are eating and how much. Going to a restaurant can be disastrous for someone trying to lose weight or maintaining their present weight. Even choices like Caesar salad can be as much as 600 calories. And some Asian dishes like sweet and sour chicken can be well over 500 calories. You can put together a lunch that is satisfying for less than 300 calories. Harvard Medical School states that packing your lunch makes healthy food choices readily available, helps you curb portion sizes, and saves you money. You can pack leftovers from the night before and add fresh veggies and fruit. Keep it healthy and delicious. I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. It's Marching There are more cats in U.S. households than any other pet. Most allurophiles or cat owners know that unlike dogs, taking Kitty for a ride in the car isn't any fun. I mean, you never see a cat hanging its head out the window, enjoying the breeze. Today's domestic cat is descended from a small Mid-Eastern wildcat. A group of kittens is called a kindle, and a group of adult cats is a clouder. What's the word for those dust balls composed entirely of cat hair? Cluffernugans. Personally, I like pigs better than either cats or dogs. Dogs are subservient and look up to man. Cats are aloof and look down on man. A pig, however, will look you in the eye and see as equal. It's marching day I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. give a big welcome to our new sponsor, Noom. Noom, spelled N-O-O-M, is a customized weight loss action plan for today's busy world. Stop dieting and start a weight loss journey that actually goes somewhere with Noom. If you're like me, weight loss or achieving your goals is about habits and our responses to life's events, large and small. Noom is a phone app that gives you 24-7 access to your personal coach and support group while using psychology to manage poor habits and replace them with new, healthier habits without feeling deprived. You can choose the personality type of coach you want. I chose a positive booster rather than a drill sergeant, but you can select what you know motivates you. We're all different, and Noom provides a quick survey to identify your habits, stress points, exercise level, and nutrition choices. Spending 10 minutes a day with your customized, tailored course gives you nutritionists, psychologists, and physicians all on your smartphone. Whether you need support to encourage more exercise, to eat more cleanly, or to redirect your stress, Noom is there for you. 
Wellness is so vital to quality of life, and you now have Noom to walk this path with you. Join the 45 million people who've taken the first step toward a healthier lifestyle and been successful with Noom. Go to Noom.com forward slash wise health right now to get your first two weeks of Noom free, plus 10% off your subscription. That's Noom, N-O-O-M dot com slash wise health to start your free two-week trial and 10% off your subscription. Noom.com slash wise health. Get started today. We're continuing our discussion with Michelle Gamble, and we were talking about holistic health and your backstory and, and how important that was to leading you to where you are today. I'd love to talk further about the recognition of each individual's role in their own health and wellness, because I think there is a responsibility that we each have to know what works for us and to have greater self-awareness. How do you help people to attain that or even to take a look at that? Um, One of the first things that I do is allow people to tell me their story. Mm -hmm. And I cannot tell you, Linda, how powerful that is. And I would say the majority of people that I do this with, they end up in tears by the end of our session. So my, my first real consultation with a person, it ranges from 90 minutes to two hours, sometimes okay. even depending on what's going on. And in this journey, I call it, I'm basically asking them to tell me what their story is. Tell me where have been the glitches in their life. Tell me where have been, you know, parts of the journey where they've lost a bit of themselves or parts of the journey where it just seems to have an avalanche. And so many times when we go through this journey, that is when people start to recognize, wow, you know, I didn't realize that this had such a tremendous effect on me. Right. And it's just amazing that we are so caught up in the, in the journey of living, quote unquote, that we don't take time to step back and assess where we are in the moment. We're just trying to survive. Mm-hmm. And we start to develop this, I guess you could say, layers of callous, where we become desensitized and less aware of the areas which hurt. And the hurt that I'm talking about sometimes can be emotional or mental, mm-hmm. physical. You know, So it may have started out with, a little ache in the side. Like I had a woman just call me, actually she texted me last night, like, I've got to see you, I've got to see you. <laughs> and I spoke to her today and I said, you know, we, we've talked about this before. And she said, you know, yeah, I had all of these issues, but now it's gotten to the point where I just can't ignore it. And unfortunately, a lot of us wait for that, for that, for that crisis moment and we don't pay attention to what I call the handwriting on the wall. We, we are so caught up in, in doing our jobs. We're so caught up in taking care of others. And we have learned to ignore the little flashing light on the dashboard that says low gas or you need to change your oil, you know. And we would never do that to our car. You know, the light we light. would never do that to our children, our partners, etc. Be 
and I'm going to insert in here that I have a belief that, and it's in our initial uh, voiceover at the beginning of this show, women care for others so much that they often don't take the time and awareness to care for themselves. What is particularly telling about what you just mentioned is that when people do tell their stories, they may have just suppressed, pushed down, moved past, pushed through that those avalanche moments. But in reciting them to you, suddenly, out loud, it becomes, I think, an awareness aha moment for many. Would you say that's true? Oh, definitely. It's a tremendous aha moment because when we are living our lives, we live the events in isolation. Mm -hmm. But when they are recounting the story to me, it's being recounted all at once. Mm -hmm. And that is when you start to see the pattern. And the pattern that I see over and over and over again for us as, as women is that pattern of I need to take care of everyone else. Mm -hmm. I can't do anything for myself because then I would be selfish or mm -hmm. I wouldn't be able to do whatever. And indeed, you asked me, how do I get women to start this process? Ironically, what enables many women to finally make that step in the direction of self-care is realizing that they are on the threshold of not being able to continue caring for someone else. So in, in this warped model, they're not really coming to me to take care of themselves so much as they're coming to me to help them to patch themselves up so that they can go back and help somebody else. <laughs> well, you're, you, you bring up a, a fascinating point. Um, another part of my work, I work with uh, the caregivers of the wounded, ill, and injured in our military. So they are often stretched and pushed and they one person asked this week you know what do we do about the collapse of the caregiver that's the first moment that someone is coming and saying okay i can't ignore me because if something happens to me there's a very large cascade effect but it's such a shame that it has to get to that point so prevention i'm hoping that our listeners pick up today that not letting yourself get to that collapse crash point is really critical to your long-term wellness. And it's critical to the wellness of the ones that they love, you know, and I have to admit that I was guilty of the same, you know, Me as, too. As, a teacher, <laughs> and as a teacher, you know, I, I had my aha moment when I pushed myself to such a limit and, and you say, hey, Michelle, you know the warning sign. And duh, I did. You know, I had this crippling pain in my side, but I kept on saying, no, I just have to make it to the end of the semester. I just have to do right. this last final exam. And it got to the point where I was on the last day of school <laughs> to give the, the, the last set of exams. And I just buckled over and mm. my administrator had to come in. They took me to the emergency room. I ended up being in the hospital for three days, and during that time, laid out on my back, I had lots of time to realize that my children that were still young, under the age of 18, were at home alone without mm -hmm. me because I had chosen not to take care of myself. But that personal that accountability is so important, and, and so often... That's another point of maturity and self-awareness that sometimes when we're younger, I don't know that we are that mature, but you, 
you voice that beautifully because I, I think that we do so much for other people. And is it pride or is it that we're so strong or is it that we don't want to be seen as weak? I mean, women in particular have a lot of, quote, reasons for why they don't take care of themselves. And I think part of that is that in today's society, we are so isolated. You know, if you go back 100 years, 200 years, you did not have isolated women. Mm -mm. Had women that were always part of a larger sisterhood. It's true. And, and you know, that's where the whole concept of doula comes in. It, it wasn't somebody who was paid to come in. It was someone who was part of your sister group. Mm-hmm. We don't even have family. I mean, when I look at my own family, my mom is in Jamaica. My sister is in Texas. And so I had to raise all of my children by myself when I got a divorce. And I didn't know anyone in the community. Um, and we tend to be very isolated out of, I believe, fear of, as you said, showing a weakness or, or feeling as if we are not living up to this supermodel in our ideas of what a supermom is supposed to be or a super uh, Right, right. Um, and we're always berating ourselves, feeling that we're not giving enough. And we do not allow each other, we don't allow sisterhoods to embrace us, to nurture us, to support us. And that's why it was so important for me to form a sisterhood, to help women, to become more comfortable, to go back. And that's what Sankofa means, to go back to what we used to do, which Mm -hmm. is be there for each other, because the saying is true. You cannot raise a man, a woman, a child, anyone without a village. And we as women have to be able to not only provide that support, but be willing to accept and receive the support from our sisters. That's the hard part. I think that it is there if you seek it, but accepting is hard for many self-sufficient women, especially those who've had to fight for that through divorce or other circumstances where they, they do take personal responsibility for their portion of that time period. and. And this is where I think the acceptance is hard. And that's where we often hear negative self-talk and further isolation. And then there's social media. Speak a little bit about that. And to bring it even further, I think the fear is real. Because I remember as a woman, a mom, and my husband at that time was shipped out. And I had a tremendous yeast infection. And I went into the to the military clinic and my children, they had forgotten their shoes. And so I said, okay, you stay in the van. I had already called up the clinic. They had the medication. Right. And I went into the clinic to get the medication. I run back out and someone had called DCS, Department oh, of Family Services on me. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh my God. And so there is that very real fear that we're going to be slapped for saying, I need help. Right. And, and I don't know how to, how to balance that because the same thing happens in our medical paradigm where we say, I need help, and we get slapped by people saying, oh, there's nothing wrong with you. It's all in your head. Um, you know, just, just, just deal with it. So if you go in with symptoms of, say, IBS or symptoms of, you know, depression, somehow or the other, 
it's going to be something wherein you've done something wrong or it's in your mind or, okay, take this pill. But it's never a situation where they say, you know what, let us sit down and see if we can give you the support that you need because we all have those moments of weakness. We all have those moments where we just need help and we need someone who's willing to figure it out with us, not slap us with a quickie diagnosis. Right, right. And you you bring up all good points. And this is why emotional health is just as important as physical health. And the taking of our time, our medical system, our current medical system doesn't lend itself to that. But I am encouraged by the number of more holistic functional practitioners that I see and, and a better understanding of how emotional avalanches, as you say, really do affect everything from hormone levels to sleep and all of the other restorative pieces. We have to go on another short break, but we will be back talking further with Dr. Michelle Gamble after these very short messages. Don't go away. We'll be right back. We're Wise Health for Women Radio, and we'll return after these short messages. It's Did you ever wonder how reindeer survive the severe cold? Well, they snuzzle around for some moss to eat. Moss contains a special chemical that helps keep their body fluids warm. And they're going to have to keep warm if they're going to pull Santa's sleigh every year. Santa's sleigh was originally called a wing-doodle. Both male and female reindeer grow antlers, but male reindeer drop their antlers at the beginning of winter. I can't help but wonder why Santa's reindeer from Rudolph to Blitzen had male names. Since they had antlers, they would have had to be female. We women should have known only females would be able to drag a hefty man outfitted in a red velvet suit, originally called a poopin' daddy, all around the world in one night and not get lost. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond. When you are making New Year's resolutions, or any goal for that matter, It's important to keep it simple. Many times we set insurmountable goals that are impossible to reach. So consequently, we get discouraged, feel like a failure, and quit. By setting impossible goals, we invite failure. So instead of setting goals that are tough to reach, keep it simple. If you need to lose 40 pounds, start by making a goal to lose 10 pounds. After you lose 10 pounds, set another goal to lose the next 10 pounds, and so on. Before you know it, you will have lost all that weight and met your goal. The same is true with exercise. If you're only exercising three days a week, increase it to four days a week, then add another day every two weeks. The next thing you know, you'll be exercising every day. Keep it simple and stick with it. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Wise Health for Women Radio. We are talking with Dr. Michelle Gamble, and we're talking today about holistic medicine and enrichment of your lives, you know, thriving instead of simply surviving. And, you know, Michelle, if you could talk further about the fact that um, integrative medicine, uh, taking a look at the whole person, is still relatively new and in its end. 
but thankfully is growing. And I think our young people are becoming more aware of this. And, and talk about how you came to found Sankofa Healing. Okay. Well, uh, Linda, the thing is that I am very encouraged by what I see happening now. Mm-hmm. Is, um, it, came, it took a while for me to realize that our medical doctors are not the bad guys. <laughs> they're not. They're they're really not. I have a son-in-law who's a doctor, and and yet, when I ask him if he's had training in X, Y, and Z on the holistic side, so nutrition and you know um, even organic things, so that if your left shoulder hurts, that doesn't necessarily mean your left shoulder is hurting. It could be something else. Um, he'll say no. That wasn't taught. So people go back to school or training or certifications to gain those things, just as you did. Yeah, and the reality is that so many of our doctors, they do what they know. And so I have lots of my clients who, after we talk about certain things, they'll say, man, why didn't my doctor tell me something? Because he, he just didn't know. It's not like he has this box of, of, of information and he's just holding it back and saying, hey, I'm not going to tell you what the secrets are. <laughs> no. In reality, I really believe that the majority of our healthcare professionals, professionals are well-meaning. They really care about the people that they work with. And in fact, over and over, I hear the frustration coming from our medical profession where they're saying, look, we don't want to be drug dispensers, drug dealers. We mm-hmm. want people that's why we went into medicine that's right. why we we did internships where we practically killed ourselves with sleep deprivation right. and now i have the blessing of being able to work with a um functional doctor and I love that that is that she does all the doctor stuff you know all the prescriptions all of the diagnosing and things of that nature and then she passes certain people over to me to provide the support to provide that help with the emotional aspect, the mental aspect, as well as, you know, just technical things in terms of what to eat, how to exercise, when to exercise, what to drink, and that support in terms of motivation, you know, constantly checking on the person. Because the reality is, given our healthcare paradigm, they don't have the time to do that. No, they don't. They're regulated to the minute. I mean, the best you can do is in an annual physicals to go in prepared with questions because they're still constrained, although that's the one time a year that you can probably get more time than a normal sick visit. And so what I do is that since I have the time to sit down with people and to get the backstory, mm-hmm. we go through that and then I set them up and say, okay, you know what? You need to ask your doctor for these tests. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I have that relationship with this particular doctor. And sometimes she'll say, well, Michelle, that's kind of curious. Why are you asking me to run this test? And I'll tell her why. And she'll say, oh, okay, I hadn't thought about that. And so that is the beautiful marriage that is occurring more and more agree. throughout our country. And the same thing, like you said, people call me and say, hey, Michelle, what kind of questions do I need to ask my doctor? And I say, okay, here it is. And I type out a list. And then they go and they know exactly what to ask the doctor. And that gets the doctor thinking like, wait a minute, why is he, why are you asking these questions? You know, but most are happy to be asked. 
when you ask those questions, that gives them the opportunity to, if you end up with a physician who doesn't want to answer your questions who, or who asks a front acts of do, that's probably not a good fit because most, as you say, go into the profession to help people and to make a difference. And they are so hamstrung with paperwork, documentation, now electronic records, um, to get them to look you in the eye. That's that's one thing um, my physician said to me. He goes, one of the most important things that I do in annual visits is actually look the patient in the eye and observe the changes from the year before. Because if you have been blessed enough not to be ill for, for more periodic visits, this sort of observation yields a lot of information. And imagine being able to see someone like you more frequently. I'm certain that you do the same. Yeah, and, and the beauty, what I tell people is that I provide natural health care, customized, accessible resources and education. Mm -hmm. And I stress the accessibility part because, you know, people are able to text me. They're able to call me. We do online coaching sessions. Um, people can come if they want in person, but most of, my, most of the people that I work with don't even live in my state. Mm -hmm. uh, and the beauty of that is that the, it's a process of empowerment because you're right. There's certain doctors that I have dealt with that say, you know what, I don't want to deal with you. And I say, well, that's fine with me too. You know, you <laughs> be my doctor. There's no problem. No, you're there's good. choice out there. Right. Choice out there. And then a client of mine just called me the other day and he, and he said to me, he said, you know what, when I go into my doctor with these questions, they treat me differently because yes. now they see that I am being proactive and I'm serious about my health and I'm just, I'm not just looking for a band-aid. And he said that it has made all the difference in his relationship with the doctor because now the doctor has the ability to help because is mo most people that go into the doctor are saying, hey, fix me. And so they're in a bad position. You know, even when we talk, we talk about things like antibiotics. Doctors know that you can't use antibiotics for, say, viruses, cold viruses and things right. of that nature. But you have people that, you know, they watch a little 30-minute. They mean, demand it. Right. And they're like, I want this. And I'm asking about that. And so they the doctors throw their hands up and say, here, here's a prescription, go for it, you know? So What's it's fascinating to me is that um, if, if you are an informed patient, and I urge people to be informed patients as, as in the medical system, if you look at some of, drugs have a good place. My background is actually 20 years in clinical pharmaceuticals. So I do know the value of good meds for the right reasons. But if you look at some of the newer meds, they're not addressing the root causes. And specifically in IBS, since you mentioned that earlier, the meds address the symptoms, but not the root cause. And so if you're concerned about that sort of thing, if you do some research and some experimentation, you really can wean yourself off these drugs with your doctor's approval, of course, because the root cause is what we're missing in medicine, which is why the moving over to functional medicine and the combination of the integrative care that you're talking about makes a huge difference. And when you have a team of the patient and the doctor, or even a care team, that makes sense. And I think more and more people are, are understanding that they have a role to play and they're not this passive acceptor of scripts only. They can be, and there are people like that, as you just you know, enunciated, 
but if you are more proactive, I think you gain the respect and you also are self-aware of what's going on. Information is power. Information is power and it's so key to have the information that is applicable to your set of circumstances. Mm -hmm. So then what, what we're dealing with now, Linda, is not a lack of information, interesting, uh -uh. but an overwhelm of information. Oh, you mean Dr. Google with the 6,543,000 responses to your question? Of course, of course. <laughs> I would say that that is probably the most um, consistent concern that I hear from the people that I work with that they are overwhelmed with all the information that's out there and they don't know where to start. And I think and that- it's conflicting. In many cases, it's conflicting. And that's why it's so important that your healthcare team, as you put it, looks at you as an individual. And what I'd like to stress is that they look at themselves as being health protectors. Mm -hmm. That is not simply, you know, a, a cookie cutter recipe of, oh, you have diabetes, so we're going to follow this protocol. No, I can have five people that I'm working with with diabetes and they have five different protocols because they have five different root sources of why right. they have diabetes. Right. But I don't think people so, know that until they do the research. You well, know, they get a diagnosis and then they don't ask the further questions. So if we can encourage people to ask those questions, I think that's a good first start. And for people to realize that any and every medication has to do with resolving symptoms. Right. Medications do not promote healing. What promotes healing is for you to give your body, your mind, your heart, your soul, the nutrition that it needs. And you are absolutely correct when you say, as my mom says, there's a time and a place for everything under the heaven. Right. And so in this country, we are blessed with medication and it is a phenomenal blessing. Mm -hmm. You know, people all the time, if I get knocked down by a Mack truck, please don't give me homeopathic remedy. Run <laughs> Here's an essential oil, rub it on. Okay. Oh, so knock me out with the drug. Let's patch me up and then I can start the healing journey. So we have to start to realize that medicine is doing exactly what it's supposed to do, which right. is to bait the intensity of the symptoms. Right. And then we as the patients need to take it a little further and say, okay, now that the emergency is over with, how can I start the true healing process? Very important. And the other thing is that to be very aware when you are on medications, because everyone reacts differently. So if suddenly you have new reactions, you need to mention those. I mean, we gut things out so many times, and that's maybe not the right response when you've been put on a new med, because there are alternative meds. And as I said, I believe that there are places properly diagnosed and administered medications uh, just as you illustrated so well there, if you get hit by the Mack truck, which please don't do that. So at any rate, we have our final break of the show coming up, and we're going to continue talking with Michelle Gamble about this holistic, and we're going to talk in the next segment about Sankofa, which is the organization that 
ties together all of these various pieces that Michelle has talked to us about in the first three segments. And it's a fascinating practice. And I think you'll want to know more about this. So we will go on a very short break and come back to talk about healing and enrichment, the body, mind, spirit, and soul. You're listening to Wise Health for Women Radio. And we'll be back after some short messages. We'll be right back. We're Wise Health for Women Radio, and we'll return after these short messages. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Preparing your lunch at home and bringing it to school or work is usually a much healthier alternative than going out or ordering hot lunch. Weight Watchers offers some pointers to make preparing lunches a more pleasant experience and not a chore. Prep your foods on the weekends by cutting up veggies and putting them in Ziploc bags in the fridge. Multitask during meal preparation. When making dinner at night, prepare lunches for tomorrow at the same time and keep them in the refrigerator until morning. Have the kids help you put the lunches together. They can assist you and the job will be smoother. Make healthy lunches at home a priority and assure that you and your children are eating healthy, low-calorie meals. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. Welcome back. We're going to talk in this segment about Sankofa, which is a word I'd like Michelle to explain to you. And tying together all the other three segments of this show and the importance of all of it when you bring it all together. So, Michelle, talk about Sankofa healing. Okay, well, Sankofa means to go back and fetch it. It's actually a Ghanaian term, and there's a symbol of a bird with its head bent backwards to Uh in the nourishment from the past. And it comes from an understanding that that I've developed into, which is that a lot of times we throw out the baby with the (laughs) bathwater. In our journey into the present day of technology and, and pharmaceuticals and things of that nature, we have discarded the old ways, the wise ways of our ancestors of hundreds and thousands of years of medicine in the making. So, you know, what we go back to the ancient medicine words of Hippocrates, who says, let, let, let food be your medicine and medicine be your food. Mm-hmm. To ancient practices such as colon hydrotherapy and, and steam baths and things of that nature. We go back to incorporating things like herbs and essential oils and realizing that all of this wisdom of the past is so key to the healing process. The biggest part of the wisdom of the past was that acknowledgement of body, spirit, soul, and realizing that the spirit is so essential. The emotional aspect of a person is so essential to the healing process. What I tell people all the time is that you know, if, if, if you get the most organic food and you spent $50 on this meal and you're popping the most, you know, high price supplements, it cannot negate the discrepancy 
and the destruction of emotions such as anger, of emotions such as fear and anxiety, all of that erases the good stuff that you're trying to do with everything right. else. And in Sankofa, it is so important to me as I've gone through my own healing journey to realize and to acknowledge that component of healing for people. And that's why I take so much time to build relationships with people because that's the other thing that's missing from our doctors. Our doctors don't know us. You know, the doctors of the past, they knew you, they knew your family, they knew your kids, they knew what you were going through because it was a community. And today, my doctor only knows me as a number. How can she know me as anything more than in, in 15 minutes? The same thing with my kids. They go in for 15 minutes, she looks at the lab where poop and they're out. There's no acknowledgement of what is going on in our lives, what is impacting where we are and what we're feeling and how that is manifesting on the physical plane as different forms of disease. It's so true. And I think one of the things that you're talking about that's missing is, is what I'll call love and support because it is, we are lacking in support systems because we are often very isolated or our only contact is the somewhat toxic Facebook environment of social media, et cetera, where all these amazingly healthy, happy people are with nothing bad in their lives. And it's not real um, or what, what they call the Pinterest mom um, or something like that. I, I think that we are isolated. We used to live in multi-generational households where wisdom was passed down, but there is no replacing the social aspects of, of having a support system or even a hug. I mean, honestly, touch is, is so very important. The senses are important and they are neglected in today's world due to the busyness and surviving because thriving is hard to find sometimes. It's, it is so true. You know, when we, when we look at things like social media, and as you said, everybody is happy and prosperous. You know, I talk to my kids sometimes and they're like, I feel like such a failure because so-and-so. <laughs> right. And even myself, I find myself slipping into that track. You know, I look at my, my um, colleagues from the past and they're like, wow, they're just like awesome. They're doing all these amazing things. And then I realize, wait a minute, I'm just mm-hmm. getting a part like the tip of the iceberg, I have no idea of what's going on in their personal lives. And when I, when I work with people, one of the things that I encourage them to realize is that it is okay to struggle. It is okay to be frustrated. It is okay to be angry. It is okay to feel like, you know, the world is against you. It is okay to go through a process of, of being in pain and knowing that someone is there to say, it is okay and we're going to make it through this. We're going to go one step at a time and we're going to be there for each other and you can get through this. Instead of thinking that, you know, health and healing is just a, you know, a second away. You know, that's what our medications tell us. Oh, just pop this pill and you'll be a-okay. And when they start on this actual healing journey of going to the root causes, it can be, frustrating. It can be discouraging. It can be stuff that you dredge up the things from the past, whether it be physically, 
And so, you know, as people go through cleanses, they'll have reactions like getting rashes, bad mm-hmm. breath, oh, yucky tongues. And they're like, and Michelle, are you trying to kill me? <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, you start dredging up emotions from the past that you didn't realize you had buried so deeply. And it's part of the healing process. And to let you know, it is okay that there is light at the end of the tunnel and with support, you too can make it to the other side of the mountain. You know what I love from personal experience and from talking with other women is that oftentimes when you have prevailed, gone through personal trauma, but also experienced personal growth, there is a a real strong feeling of empowerment because we as women are very strong. We are, I don't, use the word tough because I don't believe that I've ever been tough, but I do believe that I've been strong. And I think that if we focus on supporting each other's strengths, that the personal growth, we look back and we have learned so much from that. Wisdom comes from life experiences and and going through some difficult times because we become stronger through those. But I think we also become good mentors for those we can help in the future and helping others I think is an underutilized uh, skill that often really helps those who are in the healing process or coming through that um, journey as you mentioned. And that's a, a very critical distinction between the traditional conventional paradigm and now what we're talking about with integrative medicine mm-hmm. because traditional paradigm we are victims. We are people that need you know, someone else to save us through whether it be some, you know, major technology or some super duper drug or some serious surgery or something like that. And we come out of that process not feeling empowered because we had nothing to do with quote unquote the cure. But in this journey of integrative medicine, healing has to accompany a feeling of empowerment. Because you, if you are not empowered, you will not heal. And so it's beautiful the way those two things come together. And no matter what the outcome is, you have grown, as you said. And you mm-hmm. don't feel like a victim. You feel like a victor. You may not necessarily get all of the outcomes that you were seeking, but you still come out saying, you know what? I'm a little bit better than what I was going into this process. I know a little bit more, I have a deeper understanding, and I have a greater appreciation of my own healing journey and my own powers, my own divine powers to not only heal myself, but to empower other people to heal. Well, you know, the interesting part is that science, as recently as 15 years ago, was doing studies with cancer survivors and providing them with peer groups. Uh, Then there were others that provided prayer and they didn't even have to pray. People were praying over them. Um, Gratitude circles, gratitude journals. Science has proven that those aspects provide better outcome. Whether you're aware or participating or not, when you have a social network that you are either aware of or that you're not, it does make a difference in outcomes, which is, which is one of those wondrous things that, you know, you can ponder, but 
I happen to believe that. And science proves that out. So when you're talking about mind, body, spirit, and soul, you're combining it all and, and you're bringing it back to integrative, put the holistic back in our lives. Talk a little bit more about that fact, that social aspects and being around people adds longevity to life. I mean, that's again, the, the insurance companies will tell you, you will live longer if you're married, if you have friends, if you have a social, all very important to health. And, you know, that is something that a lot of times we overlook or we underestimate the value of because, again, I have people, they'll be quick to tell me, okay, Michelle, I'll take the supplement or I'll even do the exercise, I'll cook the food. And yet the challenging part for them is exactly that, reaching out and creating a support network. Because, Mm -hmm. again, women, I hear them keep on saying, Oh, well, I don't want to bother so-and-so. And to get them to realize you are blessing other people when you share your story and you allow other people to share their stories. And as you said, the science is out there. So much research has been done by an organization called HeartMath Institute, and I'm a mm-hmm. HeartMath. And that is why in every single one of my plans and my programs, it's a... It's a non-negotiable. You have to do this part of the work with me. You have to talk about emotions. You have to talk about being able to shift your emotions from depleting emotions into renewing emotions. You have to talk to me about strategizing and finding ways of reaching out to people. And if that means that you have to reach out to me, then I'm, I'm, I'm blessed and I'm privileged and honored, but I want you to reach out to your community. That is why we created a women's group mm-hmm. enable our women to have that resource and to learn once again how to be part of a sisterhood, how to be able to share and to allow other women to share their journey so that together we can accomplish so much more. And I think when you open yourself up to allowing others to help you, it is a blessing to them. So often we cut off the opportunity for people to help and they really want to help. And so we we have to be open to saying, you know, I, I do need help and I would I would love it if you would support me in this way. Michelle, tell people where they can go to find out more about your organization and you. What's the website? The website where they can learn more about us is Sankofa Healing, S as in Sam, A, N as in Nancy, K, O, F as in Frank, A. So that is SankofaHealing.com. They can also choose to call me at 850-725-8322. Michelle, thank you so much for sharing your expertise and your heart with us this morning. What a wonderful, what a wonderful set of information. Thank you so very much, SankofaHealing.com. We will be back next week with more intriguing guests. You're listening to Wise Health for Women Radio. Make it a wonderful week ahead. Thank you for tuning in today. You can find more shows at wisehealthforwomenradio.com.